0: So, when my daughter started uh, nursery too, many years ago, uh, she started well for the first few days. And, but soon, anxiety sets in. And she would refuse to go to kindergarten. And she would cry almost every morning. And we tried to console, to reason, and to encourage her. We also adopted the firm approach on her but all feel and whenever she was uh, dressed and ready for school she would force herself to vomit and pee to soil her uniform so as to avoid going to school and this went on for a full eight months and soon my my wife developed anxiety over my daughter's anxiety and I developed anxiety over my wife's and daughter's anxiety. We were on the verge of a family mental breakdown. We felt so helpless over the entire situation. And so we prayed about it, and finally, we transferred her to a new kindergarten, a Christian one, where the teachers were loving, and she learned to pray and sing Christian songs, which calmed her nerves and her anxiety totally disappeared after the first day of school. And as she grew older, she shared that one particular teacher in the previous kindergarten was very fierce and would always shout at the students, which triggered her anxiety. And her world fell apart because of one teacher and her thoughts and actions become irrational. She didn't know how to express her, uh, no, her anxiety to us at that time. For if she shared with us, then as parents, we would have done something about it earlier. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I believe we have our fair shares of anxi- anxiety in life. To the students and youth in our midst, meeting our parents' expectation would cause anxiety. Perhaps going to a new school, or those uh, taking PSLE, is just two weeks away. There's also the N-levels, O-levels, A-levels, EOYs, and poly-FYP. If you don't understand any of this lingo, you are too old. <laughs> and after that, there's of course the school and university and NS posting to worry about. And to the grown-ups in our meets, you know, there's uh, always the anxiety, Anxiety of uh, joining a new firm, right? Starting a new job, or perhaps a change of management. And for those of us, you know, uh, you see all your friends getting married, and then you ask yourself the question, will I stay single forever? And those who are married, then you are worried about BTO and perhaps childlessness. And those with kids, you worry about your kids and their exams and your relief. The entire PSLE, O-level, you know, A-level, all over again. And uh, parents with uh, teenagers, you, you have to deal with uh, teenage rebellion. I'm going through that. And uh, yeah, some parents would uh, experience uh, your kid leaving you for the first time to go overseas for studies. That would cause you anxiety for the next three to five years, isn't it? And for some of us, where we are a bit older, do, do we have enough to retire? And who will take care of, of you when you grow old? And you also struggle with loneliness, isn't it? And here in Singapore, we are concerned about inflation and the GST increase next year. And the world, the world is also anxious. Anxious between the tension, tension between China and US and the war in Ukraine. I hope I've uh, given you enough uh, anxiety for this morning. Well, ecclesiastes puts everything in perspective for us when it tells us that life, our life under the sun, is havel. It reads, "vanity of vanities," says the preacher, "vanity of vanities, all is a vanity." The word translated in English, "vanity" or "meaningless." Right? It's actually the word havel or habel for some of us. It, it means vapour or breath. You know, like after rain and then you see the, the, the water vapour, rise. It's like breath is transient, it's fleeting, it's ever-changing. You can't grasp it. You know, it's like chasing after the wind and you have no control over things that happen in your, in your life. No wonder it causes us anxiety and frustration. And just a fun fact, do you know uh, whose name, which character in the Bible is named uh Habel or Habel, if you want to pronounce it that way? Abel, Abel, his name is Habel, because his life is brief. So where do we find assurance in an ever changing and chaotic world that we live in? Well, the, the last person I have in mind who would write to us on the topic of assurance is someone in prison and awaiting execution. It's none other than the Apostle Paul. Paul is in chains, yet he writes to an anxious church in Philippi about assurance. How ironic, isn't it? It's like someone who has a last stage of cancer and writing to you about rejoicing and assurance in life. And what did the church face in Philippi? Well, the, the church faced both internal and external problems. Their beloved apostle, Paul, is in prison for preaching the gospel, which means it's a dangerous time to live as a Christian in the Roman Empire. They face the threats of opponents. In chapter 3, verse 2, it warns us that they are the dogs, the, the evildoers, And 3.18 tells us that these opponents are the enemies of the cross of Christ. They also face internal problems in 4.2, where two squabbling women, Eurydia and Syntyche, are having conflict in church. But the Apostle Paul, he did not brush aside the things and people that caused them anxiety. He acknowledges them. But Paul goes on to assure them by highlighting that God is way bigger than their circumstances in life. And just to help us follow along, this morning's sermon, sermon outline is here. It's entitled, Reassuring Anxious Hearts. Why? Because you have been graced by God to enter into his presence and find peace in Christ. And you have been graced by God to find contentment in Christ. Grace by God to grace others. So point one, how does Paul assure anxious hearts? Well, we have been graced by God to enter into his presence through prayer to find peace in Christ, according to four, uh, verse 4 to 9. Allow me to read it for us. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice let your reasonableness be known to everyone the lord is at hand do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to god and the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus so just leave the slide on for a bit longer so paul exhorts them Twice in one verse, in verse 4, to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. You know, why did Paul have to do that? Well, I guess anxiety is a habitual problem for the Philippians. In verse 6, do not be anxious is in the present tense, suggesting that their anxiety is an ongoing affair. But then you ask, what's wrong with anxiety? Well, anxiety is a joy killer. When you are enslaved by anxiety, your mind becomes consumed with that one fear. It torments you with sleepless nights, loss of appetite, and your world has lost its colour. And God, God becomes so small and powerless when anxiety takes over your life. And Satan, Satan wants us wants to make us doubt God's sovereignty, that God is unaware and unable to do anything about your situation. God is helpless. Back in Genesis, if we recall, Sarah, God promised Sarah that descendants like the stars in the sky will come through Abraham and her, but she doubt God's promise and sovereignty over her childlessness. And so she took matters into her own hands and gave her servant, Hagar, to to her husband, Abraham, hoping that posterity will come through her servant. Like Sarah, when we face things that make us anxious, we become irrational. We take matters into our own hands and we start to look for other gods. But worrying, worrying doesn't help us one bit. Anxiety has no place in the lives of Christians. Why? Because you have been graced by God to enter into His presence. Verse 5 Because the Lord is at hand. The Lord is personally, spatially near to us. Because God is near to us, therefore, we need not be anxious and we can pray. For through Christ, we can come freely to God to make our requests known to Him and surrender our anxiety to Him. For He's sovereign over everything that is happening in your life and mine. Life is havel, it's transient and ever changing. But Paul wants us to find our confidence and peace in the eternal, unchanging God. We have been invited to make our requests known to god it means that god cares for us and he has the power the sovereignty to do something about your anxiety we see that god cares for us and this is reflected in first peter chapter 5 verse 7. first peter 5 7 says cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you and our lord jesus christ assures us not to be anxious in Matthew 6, verse 25 to 34, he says that we are worth more than the birds in the air and the lilies of the field. If God provides for them, then surely God will provide for us, sons and daughters of the Most High. See, we are anxious over people and things that matters to us, isn't it? And because you matter to God, God cares for you and the people and the things that matter to you. And God is sovereign over your circumstances in life. So in verse 6, Paul exhorts us to pray. If you look at verse 6, he calls us, you know, that in everything by prayer. God, uh, Paul wants us to pray, to intercede for others. These help us to overcome our anxious thoughts for them. He wants us to pray with supplication where we can petition god to supply our urgent needs and we can present all our requests to him because god is bigger than your circumstances and we are to come to god with thanksgiving why thanksgiving well because praise is always due to god and our faith is strengthened when we remember in thankfulness what God has given to us in the past, we recall His generosity and faithfulness when we give when we pray with thanksgiving. Prayer is the antidote to, to worrying. You need to be anxious about nothing, and to be prayerful about everything. But then you will say to me, Pastor Jason, this is nothing new, right? This is Christianity one o one, right? Yeah, I know that I need to pray. But knowing about prayer and truly praying are two different matters, right? So does your children and your family member know you as a perpetual warrior or a prayer warrior? So turn around and ask your family, are you a perpetual warrior or a prayer warrior? You know, just to give an analogy, you know, perhaps you, know, uh, you, you have a problem with your mobile phone and you take it to the customer service you know, and speak to the manager, but they refuse to fix your phone. You know, why, why not speak directly to the boss of the mobile phone shop, right? Yeah. So likewise, there's nothing wrong with talking to others about your worries and your anxieties. But it is most fruitful and important that you talk to Jesus about it Yet we see that prayer is not a promise that all your problems will disappear overnight but it's precisely that we have problems in life that we need to surrender them to God to be still and know that he's God God over you and your situation and we when you surrender the heavy burden of anxiety in your heart all to God The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, comes in. And God's peace acts as a guard to guard your mind and your emotions from being overwhelmed by fear and anxiety. And peace is granted regardless of whether God grants you your prayer request or not. And after God removes your anxiety and replaces it with peace, to counter insecurity and foolish living, in verse 8 and 9, Paul wants us to think holy thoughts and live holy lives. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. In verse 8, Paul wants us to think about these things. In verse 9, he wants us to practice these things. So why is there a need to, to fill our minds with holy thoughts, with things that are, you know, Uh, true, honourable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent and praiseworthy. Well, perhaps in our anxiety, we are susceptible to thoughts that are false, dishonourable, unjust, impure, unloving and deplorable. So any real reform must start with our thoughts. Our minds need to be renewed. And these virtues that are excellent and praiseworthy are ultimately found in our Lord Jesus Christ and God's words to us. So we need to keep reflecting on on the goodness of Christ. We need to wrap our minds and let our minds dwell on God's words rather than on the garbage of the world of self-help books and uh, uh, unhelpful websites of worldly values. In verse 9, Paul presents himself as a living example of someone who, has, who's, uh, who overcomes anxiety and finds security in God and not his circumstances. He calls us to imitate him and to practice these things. You see, despite being in prison and facing the threat of execution, and, but Paul wasn't the least anxious. In fact, he was confident. His confidence was grounded in Christ and not his circumstances. Paul didn't wallow in self-pity. In fact, his mind was was on Christ when he was still trying to make Christ known, even in prison. Paul wrote that his imprisonment served to advance the gospel in one turf, and his sweetness amongst the, the palace guards actually gave others the courage to proclaim the gospel. In 13 and 14 and so Paul truly lived by the motto in 121 for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain just like to share a personal story so um, in late May this year I, I had chest pain and so I went to the A&E And uh, after no staying there for a night's observation, the doctor sent me to do a treadmill ECG test. So I went for the test, but the result didn't turn out too well. So the doctor uh, ordered a CT scan for my heart this coming Tuesday. And so the question I have to ask myself is, is Christ my ultimate confidence and peace in times like this? that whatever the results, Christ is always to be praised. And a children's song comes to mind. Uh, Those who go through Sunday school perhaps will be familiar with this song. He's the Lord of the sunshine, the Lord of the rain. He's the Lord of the sunshine, the Lord of the rain. He's the Lord of the good times and Lord of the pain. He's the Lord of the mountain and Lord of the sea. He's the Lord of the music. He's the Lord of the children. He's Lord of you and me. So is God only true, living, and sovereign over over my life if the result comes out positive? No, right? He must be Lord over the good times and the bad times. And if Christ has died for me already and gave me eternal life and I belong to him, then why should I be anxious about anything? So how does Paul reassure anxious hearts that you have been graced by God to enter his presence to find peace in Christ? And God, God is most glorified when we live in complete confidence of him that he's sovereign over all our circumstances in life. Next, Paul goes on to reassure anxious hearts that you have been graced by God to find contentment in Christ. 10 to 13, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low And I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So, according to this passage, there are four key lessons that we can learn from Paul. And we see that Paul uses himself as an example. The first lesson is that contentment, is not found in the perfect life. Paul is experiencing ongoing suffering in prison, awaiting execution. Yet, he rejoices and he's contented because his contentment is grounded in Christ. Second lesson is that Paul has learned the secret of contentment in both poverty and abundance. It is not about Paul's self-sufficiency, but that he's God-dependent. Third, godly contentment is hard. So Paul needs Christ to strengthen him. And finally, the secret of contentment, Paul's secret of contentment, I think is found in 3, verse 7 to 8, reads, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So what if Paul loses his life and all that he has? Christ is his ultimate treasure and no one is going to take Christ away from him. So brothers and sisters in Christ, some of us are enslaved by discontentment. And do you believe that you can be discontented even in abundance? Let me give you a few examples. So God bless you with a wife and children and job, right? But then you nick picked on your wife and say, well, after giving birth to three children, now my wife is so fat, you know? Then for the wife, you pick on your husband. Now your husband is uh, wrinkly and bald and ugly. And for those with kids, you know, or maybe no kids and then you are, dis- or, or with kids, you have one kid, then you look at someone with two kids and say, how I wish I have, I have another children. And those with two, you, you look at someone else with three and say, I hope I have one more. And those have three daughters, you wish you have a son, right? Well, this Discontentment hears joy. You know, you were so happy when you receive your bonus, right? Wow, so happy, bonus! Until you found out that your coworker receives more than you, then ah, wow, then you are so discontented with the bonus you just received. So, what are some things you can truly rejoice and thank God for in your work, your ministry, your family? You're, you're not discontented with your wife, children, boss, or situation. If you're honest with yourself, you're discontented with God. No, you ever give uh, your kids a uh, uh, Christmas present and then they were very happy when you received the, the present, right? Because it's gift wrap. But the minute they unwrap it and they found that, Daddy! This toy was last season, last year one, outdated already. Why did you give me for Christmas? And then he hits the toy, he throws it aside and begins to sob. It shows a lack of appreciation and ingratitude to the giver, isn't it? In fact, back in the Garden of Eden, it was Eve's discontentment with God and his blessings that Satan works on, that led to the eventual disobedience of God. God, in his generosity, told Adam and Eve, you can eat from any of the tree in this garden except one. But they chose to focus on that one tree they couldn't eat, and worse, they were discontented. And Satan, Satan made them doubt God's generosity and caused them to rebel against him. So many of us suffer from FOMO, right? fear of missing out if you suffer from fomo then you will never ever be contented see i'm using a iphone 10 there's already an iphone 11 12 13 and 14 in the market have you seen the queue for iphone 14 recently in the news it was so long i thought like it was like some refugee crisis they were queuing for water or something but it was iphone 14. So we ought to focus on what Christ has already given you. Contentment is not grounded in your circumstances, but in Christ. So brothers and sisters in Christ, do not live for the things of this world and be enslaved by discontentment. For you have been set free by Christ to live for God. Do you only trust God when you have been financially blessed? Is God only good when things are going well for you? When you're facing illness, perhaps a broken marriage, singleness, or you're an empty nester, is God still good? And also, you're not incomplete until you get that perfect job or spouse or car or house. You are complete in Christ, according to Colossians 2, verse 9 and 10. For in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you, brothers and sisters in Christ, you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Christ completes you. God's generosity is seen through his giving of his only son to us. One of my favourite places to uh, visit in Singapore If I share this at basic Is the Mandai Crematorium Sounds very morbid, right? But this place is one of my favourite places in Singapore Because it puts everything in life In perspective Whenever I go to Mandai It reminds me that I ought to cherish All that I I have right now And rejoice Because my life is Habel Habel, life is transient, and naked I came into this world, and naked I will live, and all I have in life is temporal, yet God has graciously given them to me to enjoy, to love and to cherish. Life is a gift from God, so enjoy it and rejoice. And contentment is the filling of your heart with gratitude towards God for his generosity. John Piper is right when he said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Most satisfied in his his son. For a life connected to Christ is not Habel. We have eternal life through Christ. And finally, third and final point, how, how does Paul reassure anxious hearts besides being graced by god to enter his presence and find peace in him being grace to find contentment in him finally you have been graced by god to grace others verse 14 shall we read this together yet it was kind of you to share my trouble and you philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when i left macedonia no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only even in Thessalonica you sent me help for my needs once and again next slide not that i seek the gift but i seek the fruit that increases to your credit i've received full payment and more i'm well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you send a fragrant offering a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to god And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So you have been graced by God to grace others and to participate in the gospel work. Paul highlights, or rather Paul helps the Philippians not to never gaze, at their own anxiety by highlighting their generosity in partnering him in the gospel world see the philippians they are good guys they've been constantly and consistently giving to paul from the beginning when they came to faith when paul left macedonia they were the only one partnering him in the gospel world in the giving and receiving most likely the receiving means uh, receiving uh, gas being hospitable to uh, speakers. And when Paul was in Thessalonica, they continued to support him more than once. And even now when Paul is in prison, they send him gifts through the hands of Epaphroditus. And so Paul rejoices in their giving to the gospel work. In verse 17, that he seeks the fruit that increases to your credit, that they are sharing shows their are caring it's a sign of their spiritual maturity in verse 18 paul rejoices because their gift to him through Epaphroditus is a fragrant offering a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to god in fact in ephesians chapter 5 verse 2 paul uses the same term to describe christ's offering or christ's sacrifice he wrote christ gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So Paul rejoices that the Philippians are following the footsteps of their Saviour by giving. And verse 19, even as they give, they can be confident that God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And ultimately, their giving brings glory to God. So why is Paul telling them all these things? Well, you see, a generous heart that blesses others and gives towards the gospel work shows that you are indeed a recipient of God's grace and God is working through you to grace others. You have been graced by God to grace others. And when you leave for God by seeking to bless others, you bring glory to God. You show the surpassing value of having Christ over every circumstances of your life. That's how we magnify and glorify him. Paul helps us to see the big picture that life is not about you. I'd just like to share one final story. You see, ironically, one of the biggest anxieties in my life happens when I was burdened to join full-time ministry. I was anxious about serving God as a pastor. I was anxious and asked myself this question, am I cut out for the job? Am I, I'm not worthy of such a high calling. My English is not great. I'm an introvert. I've staged fright. I'm not eloquent in speech. In fact, you don't know how frightened I am right now standing in front of you. (laughs) I have scattered brains. My thoughts are all over the place. That's why sometimes my sermon is incoherent. And I realised I was looking at myself rather than God because I wasn't sure if God was big enough to help me. And I also struggle with discontentment. I have to undertake... A huge pay cut to go into full-time ministry would I have enough savings for my retirement and to fund my kids University in the future would I have but if I'm honest uh, with myself in fact I was more worried that I cannot afford you know, and live a luxurious lifestyle you no know, I, I can no longer perhaps cannot afford to go to uh, Belgium but I can only go to Bangkok Cannot go to Paris, can only go to Bali, you know, something like that. But overall, I'm I'm anxious because I like and want to be in control. Yet, I wasn't sure if I should take this leap of faith and surrender all to God. And so I prayed for two whole years and God granted me peace that is not about me. It's about Him. He will enable me And my confidence is in Christ. I just need to keep trusting and depending on Him. My confidence, contentment and supply is in Christ. Christ is enough for me. I'm not saying that I'm there already. I still have my struggles in life. But I know that in all things, I can always approach God in prayer. For when you are fully secured in Christ, knowing that He has secured your life through His work on the cross, when you live in such a way that Christ is your full confidence and complete satisfaction, regardless of your life circumstances, you bring glory and honour to His name. This is the true worship of God. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, indeed, we are so weak and feeble. There are so many things in life that frightens us. Yet, Father, you are strong. And we thank you that by the giving of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, you have invited us to come into your presence to find peace in Christ. May Christ always be our contentment because all that we have in life is Havel is transient is vain is meaningless thank god that eternal life is found in christ and our life is connected to christ so may he always be our greatest treasure in life for all things in life will change but you our good and faithful god will never change may you also grace us to grace others that even as you have poured your generosity upon our lives May we be generous in giving to others, especially giving to the gospel work so that Christ's name may be magnified. For we pray all these in Jesus' name. Amen.